Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller, the founder of the Miller Law Group in New York City and Westchester. I am on a mission to change how people divorce. And I'm here today with Janet. Janet is a an adult child of divorce. And we're going to talk today about her experiences through her parents' divorce and what they might have done differently and how she experienced what they did do. Welcome, Janet. It's great to have you here today. Thank you, Catherine. It's great to be a guest and hopefully help some people work out things in a better fashion. Yeah, I think that I really appreciate your willingness to share your experiences with me and with our listeners. And maybe we can be helpful to some children somewhere someday. And and I wanted to start out by saying that I have been conducting over the last year and a half an informal survey of adult children of divorce. And actually, it's very interesting when I start to talk with somebody in a public place about it, other people run over and say, ask me, ask me, you know, so, so many people want to share their stories of what they went through and be helpful to children who might be experiencing this or will experience this in the future. And the the survey question, and I think we're going to go beyond the survey question in our talk today, but the survey question is, if you could go back in time and tell your parents one thing that they could do differently that would make the experience better for you or less traumatic for you or somehow different for you in a way that you would really have appreciated, what would that one thing be? And so, Janet, what would one one important thing be that your parents could have done differently? Well, starting with self-control, I would say perhaps they could have had just more awareness of how they were affecting their children by not being in control and by letting the anger just get to such a pitch that it was so destructive that it helped nobody and it, it was a destructive situation. So I would say to try to be aware, try to avoid letting the anger get the best of you, especially when your children can hear you. Yeah, that sounds like that's a very painful thing for for children to hear that back and forth with parents. Right. So can you give us a, tell us a little bit of your story, if you wouldn't mind. All right. Well, my parents had a very, it was a very long time coming for their divorce. It was, I realized when I was 10 years old that things were not going to be good. And it just dawned on me that, there was a big problem. And for the next two and a half years, it got worse. There was more shouting. There was some violence. There was things were broken. Words were said. They would blame each other. They would tell us, you know, how things were so bad about the other one to our face, you know, like in other words, self-destructive and hurting your children. And, you know, I was scared. I was angry. I was confused. I was in pain. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't articulate. It was so much emotion. And it was so difficult that if I could go and say other things to them, it it might be like, for example, can you just stop? Don't say anything. And just think about what you're feeling. Write it down. And you being adults, go to a psychiatrist, go get help. You know, a psychologist, go get help. You're an adult. You're able to do that. We're children. We're trapped in the house. We can't self-advocate. We can't just leave. We can't 
get in the car and drive you to, you know, to see somebody. It was terrifying. Yeah, you said a lot there. So let me just see if I can unpack that a little bit. (laughs) So one thing that you said was, you knew when you were 10, that it wasn't good. How did you know? I guess, you know, by that time, you're more aware of of other people, other things, you're you're thinking more about what's going on around you in a in a different way. Maybe it's maturity, maybe it's just development. I guess it's all part of the same thing. But I just, I guess I heard some things, and they, you know, I was able to process them more. Or things at the same time also were becoming worse. So it was hard not to, you know, be affected and to, you know, recognize that. You know, it's interesting. People often stay together for the kids, and I'm putting air quotes around that. And, you know, so often I talk to in my survey children who wish their parents would have just divorced sooner. And it sounds like that might have been something that would have been useful in your situation if they had not. I'm not saying that they stayed together for the kids. I have no way of knowing, but that they that it was such a protracted period of time that your parents were arguing while they were making the decision to divorce that that just made it worse for you and your siblings. Yes, I think everything they said, it it was not even like they were going to divorce. It was just, it was like they just weren't mature and they couldn't help themselves. And they said very destructive things and they, they were busy, you know, dealing with their pain and their anger that they didn't stop certainly not enough to to help their you know their children to realize that you know we're the victims here yeah the children are always the victims they're not the cause of course that's that's so true even though it can be very challenging as a child to see yourself powerless. And I mean, in some ways, feeling like you are the cause would give you power to do something about it. Um, and, and and I think that's one of the reasons why sometimes children feel responsible for that. What do you think? Well, I think I wondered about that. And I felt like if I were the cause or if one of my siblings was the cause, that might scare me because then you're even closer to the potential damage. And what can you do about that if you are? Can you run away? Can you be a different person? Yeah. It's really, truly terrifying. And even if it's not a terrible divorce, there's still, you know, I guess back then it was more of a stigma, but there's still all that feeling like it was a failure, like your family failed. And it's it's shameful. You come from a broken family. Yes. I really hate that term. Uh, Right. I do too. But there were so many things I overheard, you know, from different people as I got older and things were discussed more that, you know, that things could that could have been avoided, that could have been minimized, certainly minimized, that could have been much less um, out in the open. You know, there was just, it was constant tension and shouting. And I just feel like, you know, don't you two remember that you were happy once and that you chose to have children together and these children are here and they're part of you and you're hurting them? Yeah. You know, that's, those are the things I would go back and say. So I think one thing that you are pointing out as being really important is to shield children as much as possible from the conflict between parents. That's really in in two ways. One is to shield children from observing parents fighting to the extent possible. And the other, and I think this one is so, so important and is it can be really insidious and sneaky in the way people come from a place of they think good intention, but it can be really really damaging to children and it survives divorce. And that is saying bad things to the children about the other parent. Oh, absolutely. 
there's got to be a way. I'm not saying you can put children in a bubble and they can't be aware that there is trouble. And I mean that rhyme, but <laughs> that you, you can find a way to be more civilized so that you could actually discuss with your children that this kind of thing can happen. It doesn't mean they don't still have some love for each other. They're just upset. They just can't seem to agree. They just can't seem to get along. And in life, you know, you'll you'll find there are people, many relationships that don't work out well, but it doesn't mean that they don't care about each other. In other words, to keep the positive aspects of that very upfront so that you don't feel like everything is going to go downhill quickly and, you know, and you're not like scared. Like I, I would just, you know, I would bite my nails till they bled. I was so scared. So emphasizing the positive that you still have, if you can find some feelings or some respect or some admiration for one another and articulate that, but still not have to completely shield them, at least when they become a little older, they're going to be aware. Kids pick up everything. They really pick up so much more than parents give them credit for. Yeah. So I think what your advice here is in part, Janet, that we are honest with our children about what's going on rather than lying to them because children know you knew what was going on. Yes. But to try to stay positive. I mean, obviously, like, like, oh, we're getting divorced and I'm so happy about it. Not that. <laughs> I mean, that would be right. Like, that's not what I'm meaning. What I'm saying is just to say, hey, you know, this doesn't mean, you know, doom and destruction. It doesn't mean the end of life as we know it. And it doesn't mean that you are a bad person because you're part of this, you know, of this family, that there are salvageable things here in our relationship and in our family, and that we're going to go forward on that basis. Right. And that we'll always care about each other. It's just sometimes it's better if you do it when you're not in the same household. Yeah. You know, for example, to, to understand that there's a reason for everything. But if the adults aren't in control and if the adults can't be somewhat take a step back and somewhat aware, then it's so destructive and there are lifelong consequences for the children. So I'm, I'm feeling it now, right, decades I, later. Yeah, let's talk about that. But first, I want to remind people that you're listening to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm talking to Janet, who's an adult child survivor of her parents' divorce. And Dialogue on Divorce is here every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 on WVOX.com and 1460 AM. And Janet, about that, you know, when you, I can actually hear it in your voice as we're talking, you know, that this is a difficult thing to talk about and these memories are painful for you. And so when you say you feel it today, I don't necessarily mean right this very second, but can you help us understand what you mean by that? Well, feeling the pain and feeling how sad it was. It was just overwhelming. It's all consuming. I would have dreams. I wet my bed. I just, things were terrible. It's, I guess maybe I'm probably more sensitive than a lot of people, but nonetheless, children are very vulnerable. And when they're young, the parents in the home are like the most important thing. They don't have a choice where to live or how to live. And it's, you make that mistake of just tuning them out and it has repercussions, you know, tuning them out, whether mm -hmm. in the middle of an argument or a shouting match or throwing things or, you know, just having that. It's sort of like if you're on a boat and the seas are very, very stormy and you realize you could get thrown overboard and into something very unknown and potentially deadly. Yeah. You know, I met a man 
a number of years ago at an event, and I've spoken to him several times over the years, and he says that his parents' divorce, which was litigated, contentious, where he had to testify in a custody trial, was the most formative event in his life. It was more important, you know, in terms of determining who he is than graduating from college, getting married, and even becoming a father himself. And two, to this day, he feels the impact of that in his everyday life. Now, this is a really successful guy. He is obviously able to survive this very traumatic event, and yet he feels it so strongly in his everyday life. And I'm wondering if you have a similar experience. I do. I feel it. You know, if there's something like, because I'm married and I, I have a child, and I was very aware of things that I said. I thought a lot about it, and it carried over. And I never doubted myself as a mother, not seriously. I mean, there were moments. We all do. <laughs> right. It's human. But I, I did feel like I was determined, no matter what, to not let my child suffer any remotely as much as I felt I, I did and my siblings did growing up, that it was important to have a good, solid team that was on your side. So it wasn't contentious. Doesn't mean it was perfect because that doesn't exist, but meaning that it was the positive was the bigger picture, the happiness, the sharing, and just knowing that our family, you know, was a positive place, a, a warm, loving, caring, safe place. That's your takeaway from your own experience of having your childhood feel so unsafe is that even in an intact family, making sure that your child feels supported and loved and okay. And secure. And secure yes. every day. And so yes. like, thinking about if you were going to give some advice to now divorcing parents, you know, what, all right, so one thing would be that you would want them to shield their children from fighting. And you would want them not to say bad things about the other parent to the children and put them in the middle in that way. Exactly. Totally. And, and you would want them to emphasize or point out some positive things about going forward, about how we still both love you very much, or, you know, we both, you know, feel very proud of the kids, of you children, or, you know, Sally. Right. What else? Right. Well, it would mean that there was still a bond between them. It, it didn't mean that... Between parents. Were, yes, that the parents could find some way to still remember the things they cared about before, the fact that they loved each other, that they wanted to be together, that they wanted a family together, and that they raised or were raising children together, that that still mattered. They'd have to find some way to communicate that by actions, by different words, and just a different environment, not so much tension, not so much hostility, not so much destruction. Yeah, you know, one thing that I say to my clients very frequently is, no matter what, forevermore, no one will feel the same about your children as the two of you do. And no one will experience their accomplishments or worry about their challenges in the same way that you as parents do. And that's something that you'll share no matter what your relationship until the end of time. Right. If that could be understood and coming from them, yes, yeah. that would be terrific. Well, I think to get some kind of help to point that out. Oh, absolutely. You know, really is not something that they necessarily realize in the moment. I mean, it really takes some presence of mind yes. to to say, wait a second here, this person is the father and mother of my children. And for that, I am deeply grateful, if nothing else. Yes, to find a point that 
they share something positive, that they share something good, that they're happy about, that they're proud of. Because it was so contentious on a regular basis, there was no room for the children. And that's the danger. So no room for your own feelings and your... For the children's feelings. That's what I mean. Exactly. Or the children's to, you know, children to express their feelings and to feel like that they mattered enough. Not that we didn't matter. Obviously, I know that they loved us, but it wasn't enough because everything else was so much greater at that point. So much more overwhelming. Overwhelming and, you know, totally all-consuming with everything. I was was embarrassed every day. You know, and, and that, a lot of that is probably just personality. It was just me. But I can't imagine many, many children don't feel that when the parents are arguing and when they're out of control and when there's nothing that, you know, being that they're the adults, that there's nothing that they can do aside from get help to just stop talking, like leave the room, stop yelling. What were you embarrassed about? I felt like I was so attached to them being that young in that family That's a good question. I think I was embarrassed because my family failed. In some way, I was caught up in it, and possibly I never thought I was totally responsible, but I felt like it wasn't about me. It was just something greater than me that was spinning in such a terrible direction so intensely. My identity was caught up in my family, so I felt like that was like a not even a blemish, like a big stain on who I was. And so you felt ashamed. Yes. I was ashamed of them. They were my parents. How embarrassing. My parents are so, un- let alone cool, that were so horrific Did they? Together. Did they fight in public? No. They would do it in a car. They would do it in the house. They would do it outside the house sometimes, but not in public. Because I asked that because when you use the word embarrassed, and I think this is a really important point, that it was about who you were, that this dispute, this breaking of your family, and and I don't use that word lightly, really, you felt so bad about it and about them that it it sounds like what you're saying is it made you feel bad about yourself. Yes, it did. It made me realize that I coming from that, that that was part of me. It's sort of, you internalize it. So you feel because your identity isn't very strong. When you're a child, you certainly can't articulate the same way you know, at 10 or 11 or 12 that you would, even when you're 16 or late, you know, an adult, of course. So that was what I felt, you know, I was a component, a big component of me was that. Yeah. So I want to invite our listeners to answer my question, my poll question to me at my website, which is www.westchesterfamilylaw. You could email me Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, at westchesterfamilylaw.com. Your answer to the question, if you are the adult child of divorced parents, if you could go back in time, what one thing would you tell your parents that would make their divorce more manageable for you? And I'd also like to remind our listeners that this is Dialogue on Divorce. We're at 1460 AM and WVOX.com, and these these shows are recorded and available as podcasts on my website, which I've just told you, westchesterfamilylaw.com, and also available on iTunes. And I'm talking today with Janet about her parents' divorce and the impact it had on her. And let me ask you this as we get toward the end of our time together. Do you have any idea how your parents ended up negotiating the terms of their divorce? Did they go to trial? Did they 
settle? What happened? They went to an attorney, and thankfully I didn't have to testify or anything. It was just my dad moved out, but the you know, the consequences were. That was the impact on you, that your dad moved out. Well, it was a very protracted experience because in, it was an increment. First, they were, you know, together in the room, and that wasn't so good. And then my dad moved downstairs, and he stayed in a separate room. And then finally, the divorce happened, and he felt kicked out. So even after the divorce, it didn't stop because when we saw him, you know, he was very sad and he was very angry and he would complain to us about, you know, our mom. So, you know, he was kicked out and it wasn't fair. And, you know, so it was like having another child, except that child was supposed to be an adult. And I felt for him. I felt very bad for him because I didn't think it was totally fair either. But I wouldn't have wanted to see my mom kicked out. I didn't want anyone to be kicked out. But we couldn't live like that either. So did you go back and forth between your parents' homes? I lived at home and we visited, you know, I visited my dad quite a bit. He came and picked us up too. So, I mean, most all the time he would pick us up. And then when I was old enough, you know, to travel on my own a few years later, then I would go visit him where and, he lived. And that still felt, it felt like somehow or other he was relegated to the doghouse. I mean, that's what it sounds like you're saying. Well, it just seemed like, you know, it was all all on him in a way. I don't know what the fair thing to do would have been. I could do you know, somebody had to do something. But I also have heard of stories where parents, instead of children, having to move out, having to shuttle back and forth between parents who have split up, that parents would do that. The child would stay in the house and the adults would, you know, switch. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. That's called bird nesting. And it is a fairly much more common than I think than it used to be. And I have a client who told me recently that that she and her husband are doing that, leaving the children in the home. And she says, you know, it's really terrible, but I feel so glad that I'm going through this and I'm not putting the kids through this because moving back and forth is so challenging and so difficult that, you know, this sort of, she feels good about doing it to, because she's protecting her children right. from that. I think it can be challenging long term. Yeah, I imagine there are a lot of challenges, but it, it's a very hip thing to do because you are putting your children first, which I think, especially when they're very young, why would you become parents if you wouldn't do that? Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, want them to, I want the parents to think about that. And Jess, one more thing that I, um, I'm wondering about is, so what happened after the years passed? You know, did your parents, did it sort of ever get better in between them? Were they <laughs> no. able to show up at your wedding? You know? Um. No, sadly, my dad had passed away before I was married. But no, they didn't attend anything together before that. They were two separate people. So they were never a unit, you know, never like a, a team anymore. So they were never able to enjoy your accomplishments together. Uh, not together. And it was you always separate. And you had to then sort of at your high school graduation and, you know, that sort of stuff. How, how was that? It was always, you know, just one parent. And at that graduation, it was my mom. And so they split that up. Uh, who, who got to go where? I think so. But at my college graduation, they were both there, but they didn't sit together. And how was that for you? I was happy that they could <laughs> both be there. I was happy my dad could be there. And I was much older by then. They were already 21, 22. So I had been independent. So it wasn't as, you know, I wasn't worried about anything. They had both come to one other event, and again, of course, they did not sit together, and so it was fine. All right. So 
thinking back to my original question, you've said a lot of things that you think parents of children, divorcing parents of children or divorced parents of children should keep in mind. Is there one last piece of advice that you can think of that you think would be really important for our listeners to know or to think about talking to their children? Ah, so if they're talking to their children, just to try to accentuate things that are good, things that are, you know, would make everyone feel connected in a good way. What could your mom have said to you that would have been an example of that? I loved your dad. He had really great skills, really great talents, or he had just find some good things about him and say them so that I felt like, you know, he wasn't all 100% horrible. And I imagine vice versa as well, if your dad could have said that about your mom. Sure. I wish they had built each other up a little more or even (laughs) tried to build each other up so that they weren't each portraying the other one as, as so such a horrible, mean, you know, messed up person. Well, thank you so much. I think your words have been really useful to parents and other divorcing people. And I appreciate your taking the time to spend with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to help. And I hope I have. I'm sure you have. (laughs) 